0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the gospel of the Lord.
1: Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Time for Jesus is now beginning to run short. The end of his earthly ministry is not so very far in the future. Jesus needed time to be with his disciples, to talk with them, to teach them, to ask them an important question. So he withdrew with them to the district of Caesarea Philippi where he would have some peace with the Twelve. That the scene is this particular city is a detail that's easy to miss but it's very important. This was, it was a center of at least four religions which had competed for people's loyalty for centuries. First. The area had more than a dozen temples where the Syrian god Baal was worshipped. Second, it was thought to be the birthplace of the Greek god Pan. The city's original name, in fact, was Panias, and today it is still known as Banias. Third, it was the place where the River Jordan had its source a river that is, of course, ripe with stories and memories of Judaism. And finally, also in this district, was a great temple built by Herod the Great and dedicated to the godhead of the Roman ruler Caesar. Herod's son Philip changed the name of the city from Panaeus to Caesarea for Caesar and then he added his own name. So at Jesus' time, it was called Caesarea Philippi. Even from a great distance, that great temple would be a reminder of the worship of Caesar. It is here that we find Jesus today, a Galilean carpenter with 12 ordinary people around him. At this time, the powers that be at home were plotting to get rid of him, because he was seen to be a troublesome heretic. Here, setting himself against the background of the world's religions in all their history and splendor, he asked them two questions. If you would like to follow along, we are on page 893 in your pew Bibles, 893. First, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And with very high praise, they said, Maybe John the Baptist, come back to life. Or maybe Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You see, the Jews at that time believed that for 400 years, the voice of prophecy had been silent. So to say that in Jesus, people heard again the direct, authentic voice of God was a very big statement, but not enough. And then Jesus asked the big question, who do you say that I am? And it was Simon Peter, with divine help, who got it exactly right. You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Somehow he had glimpsed the big truth, that the one he followed was the Son of God. For Jesus, this answer was intimately connected to the future of the faith. A community of believers will gather. The church will exist and grow. And Jesus said to him, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. We need to know that Jesus made a play on words here. In Greek, Peter is Petros, and a rock is Petra. So Jesus was saying... You are Petras, and on this Petra I will build my church. This statement is seen in a number of different ways. And I'm leaning heavily on William Barclay's commentary on Matthew this morning. He is one of my favorite scripture scholars, and he offers this interpretation. Peter is the first man to make the leap of faith and see in Jesus the Son of the Living God. In other words, Peter was the first member of the church, and in that sense, the whole church is built on him. In ages to come, everyone who makes the same discovery of Jesus as Lord is like another stone added to the edifice of the Church of Christ. In Ephesians, Jesus is described as the cornerstone who holds the church together. In 1 Peter, all Christians are living stones who are built into the fabric of the church. We are living stones. And Jesus says about his church that the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. What does that mean? Well, Hades was thought to be not a place of punishment, but the realm of the dead. The function of gates is to keep things in. But there was one person the gates of Hades could not shut in, the risen Jesus Christ. As it says in Acts, it was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. And because of him, death will not hold us either. And then Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Again, this is interpreted in a number of different ways. But let's start here. Keys indicate a special kind of power. In Revelation, the risen Christ says, I have the keys of death and Hades. For humans such as Peter, it seems that having keys has to do with being a faithful steward. A steward would have the keys to the home and would unlock the doors in the morning and lock them in the evening. In Peter's case, we see him opening the doors of the kingdom in abundant ways. At Pentecost, he opened the door for 3,000 souls. And then to the Gentile centurion named Cornelius, and with Peter's witness at the Council of Jerusalem, he opened the doors of the church to the whole Gentile world. That's us, folks. The promise that Peter would have the keys of the kingdom was the promise that he would be the means of opening the door to God for thousands and thousands of people in the coming days. But also, every Christian has the keys of heaven. Every Christian has the opportunity, the joy, of inviting others into God's kingdom to come to church, or to a group, or join us on the live stream, or come to a Faith in Life event. In fact, on Friday, I married a couple who met at one of those. Paula and Steve, give us a wave. Now, those of you who are hoping to find a life partner, I can't actually guarantee that it will happen. But who knows what wonderful things might happen when we invite someone to come and see, to enter into the love of God. And finally, that language about binding and loosing, again, interpreted in a number of different ways. These terms, binding and loosing, are used to describe the decisions of the great rabbis. They mean to allow something or to forbid something. And Peter was given important responsibilities to make decisions that would solve problems and direct and guide the infant church, decisions with implication for souls and eternity. So to have the power to allow and forbid is both a great responsibility and a great privilege. Every leader of a church, or of a Bible study, or of a small group, carry a measure of that privilege and responsibility, to be faithful and loving, and to pray for God's wisdom in their leadership. The last line, don't tell anyone that I'm the Messiah, I think really means, don't tell anyone yet. Not until you understand more about what it means to be the Messiah. They are perhaps still thinking the Messiah will be a military leader who will rid them of the power of Rome. And what follows today's verses, if you were to read ahead, is Jesus trying to teach them that he must suffer and die. Eventually, they will be sent out to all the world to declare the good news, but for now, they are still in training. Who do you say that I am? Jesus asks us. Our answer to that important question may change or deepen throughout our lives as our faith grows and as life happens. May we always know Him as our risen Christ Who died and rose for us, and that with him we also cannot be held by death. And may our answer also be, Lord, you are the one who heals my life. You are the friend in my loneliness. You are the truth teller when I need to change my ways. You are the strength in my weakness. And like Peter, may we be like living stones building his church our church. And may we open doors to the love of Christ for those who do not know him. May we embrace both the privilege and the responsibility of belonging to him in all we do and all we are, in his church and in his world. In the name of Jesus, amen.